Thank you for listening in to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. For more information, visit our website at cumberlandcornerstone.org. Over the next two weeks, we want to look at John chapter 4. This morning, we're going to look at the first 30 verses and see Jesus as the living water in this fascinating story, this account of Jesus meeting with the woman at the well there in Samaria, the Samaritan woman. And then next week, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. As his disciples come back, they're not part of this conversation. And as they come back and Jesus challenges them that the fields are already white for harvest. And really what he's telling them is, hey, here's a group of people, these Samaritans, that you didn't think was worth uh, witnessing to. And yet they are ready to be saved. And uh, we're going to see today and next week, God is no respecter of persons. Salvation, a relationship with the Lord is for all of us. And so that's what we see here. But follow along as we read the first 30 verses of John chapter 4. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews." But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who you speak to am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? 
The woman then left her water pot, went, into, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all, the things, all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. You know, the, the skeleton of a woman was found on the hot sands of the Mojave Desert many years ago. And before her death, she had written this note. The note read, I am exhausted and I must have water. I don't know how much longer I can last. And she died of, of thirst. She died of, of exposure. Uh, and she died of dehydration. And, and the amazing thing is that she died just two miles from a place which was called Surprise Springs there in the Mojave Desert, where water flowed in abundance. You know, think about that. What a difference two miles can make. In one place, there is life. In the other place, there's death. And what's the difference? The difference is water. You know, in the Hawaiian islands, on the island of Kauai, there is Pupoi Beach. I'm not quite sure how I to say that, which is a very dry place. It, it averages about nine inches of rain a year, unless there's a hurricane or something along those lines. But just 30 miles away on the other side of the island is one of the wettest spots on earth with more than 400 inches of rain per year. Can you imagine that? On one side of the island, nine inches a year. On the other side, 400 inches. And that, that area on the other side is lush. It's green. It's a tropical paradise. In fact, it's called the Garden Isle. And the difference is what? Water. You know, we see the difference right here where we live. One year, one summer, and it can be dry and hot and the grass, you know, dies and turns brown and you don't have to cut it. Yeah, right? And the gardens are, are difficult to raise. The farmers have trouble with their crops. And then the next summer can be wet and, and your, your grass is growing. You're cutting it two and three times a week and you're exhausted. And it's all, what's the difference? Water. And isn't it even interesting on those hot, dry summers where the ground turns brown, the grass turns brown, you get a couple days of a soaking rain and what happens? The grass begins to turn green and comes back to life, if you will. The difference is water. As we come to John chapter 4, what, what, what we're going to see is that water is essential to physical life, yes, but Jesus Christ describes himself here as the living water, as the one who alone can quench our spiritual thirst. You know, as we continue our search in the Gospel of John, and we introduce this uh, clear back in our first message with the question, who is this Jesus? And, and that's what John is trying to demonstrate to us throughout the entire book, that Jesus is the Lord. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. And here in this passage, we discover that Jesus is the living water. As a man, as a person cannot live without water to drink, nor can we live or have our spiritual thirst satisfied apart from partaking of this living water. That's what we want to look at this morning 
as we see Jesus presenting to this woman at the well living water. And we need that water as well. Let's look at the setting of, of this uh, conversation. We see in the first couple of verses that rather than competing with John the Baptist's ministry, Jesus takes his disciples and moves away from there and he moves back toward Galilee. He's going to head back toward Galilee, verse 3, he leaves Judea and departed again to Galilee. And in doing so, he traveled through the region known as Samaria. And the Samaritans were a group of people who had been transplanted into the nation of Israel after the 10 northern tribes had been taken into captivity by the, the Assyrians. And so these people are not Jewish. They, they, are, they are kind of a, a mixed race of people. And, and yet, as they moved into this area, they began to worship uh, the God of Israel, the God of Jehovah, the God Jehovah, out of kind of fear, if you will. You can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 17. And, and they worshiped him as the God of the land. And their worship embraced Jehovah uh, along with a number of other gods. And they were hated by the Jews because they were this mixed race of people who had some allegiance to Israel's God, but it was kind of an offbeat allegiance, if you will. It, it wasn't a, a right allegiance. And, and so they're a mixed race of people. They're not pure-blooded Jews. They, they kind of worship God, but they kind of add other things in there as well. And they worship their own gods. And so the Jews, and, and we know that, and you know that, as you sit here this morning, the, the, the Gospels are very clear. The Bible is very clear. The Jews hated the Samaritans. They hated this group of people. And so when traveling from Judea to Galilee, most Jews avoided going through this area known as Samaria. You, you could get there in different ways, but most Jews would not travel through Samaria. But what we see in verse 4 is that Jesus chose to go through Samaria. And, and the reason he chose to go through Samaria is that he knew there was a spiritual need there. Look at verse 4. The phrase is, Jesus needed to go through Samaria. And, and the, the, the word needed there doesn't mean that it was an absolute necessity as far as travel is concerned. That there was absolutely no other way. He needed, uh, that's the only way I can go. Uh, it, it was the most direct of several routes, but, but he did not need to go because of of being the only road from Judea to Galilee. You know, I remember well, the year we started here at Cornerstone, our, our family went on vacation to Myrtle Beach. And my parents came in and my sister came in and they all met at our house. And then we traveled together to Myrtle Beach. And so I was never gone to Myrtle Beach from this area before. And so I was asking some of the people in the church, you know, how to go. I noticed there were a number of different ways to go. And people kept saying, no, the most direct route, the quickest route, the best route is go through Pawpaw. I'd never been through it that way. So we started off on our little journey. The most direct route is not always the best. We got outside Pawpaw, and one of our kids went, whoop. And about 10 minutes later, the other one went, whoop. And I'll tell you what, we never went that way again. 
I will travel a half hour out of my way to stay on flat road, you know. And, and uh, you know, the direct route is not always the best. But here Jesus says, I've got to go that way. I need to go through Samaria because I have a divine appointment there. There is a spiritual need there that needs to be met. And we see that Jesus in verse 5 comes to this town called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And, and there, there's this well, it's called Jacob's well. And we see Jesus is tired from his journey and he sits down at the well while his disciples go into town to buy some food. And as he sits there, here comes this, whoa. As he sits there, here comes this a woman of Samaria, verse seven, and she comes to draw a, 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 a a pot of water, and Jesus asks her, give me a drink. You know, once again, we see the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's tired from his journey. He's thirsty from his journey. Oh, he's the God man, but he is the, he's the God man. You know, he got tired, he got thirsty, he got hungry. And, and Jesus says to this woman as she comes to, to get water, and there's a whole lot that we can talk about here, and we're not, we're not going to get into a lot of those things uh, that maybe we've gotten into before, but as she comes to draw water, Jesus requests of her, give me a drink. Give me a drink. I'm very thirsty. And in making this request, I think the Lord Jesus Christ identifies with us and with our physical thirst, with our, our thirst. And it also allows him to open up a conversation with this Samaritan woman. Since the Jews hated the Samaritans, the woman is surprised that he would even talk to her. As a man uh, talking even to a woman in that culture was very odd. And, and not only that, but a Jew talking to a Samaritan woman. And, and, you know, the fact that he would talk to her surprised her. And then she was even more surprised that he asked her for a drink. Hey, could you give me a drink of water? And even more astonishing was the fact that since he had no cup of his own, he would have to drink from her cup. Verse 9, how is it you being a Jew ask a drink from me? And, and he's got nothing to draw with. He's got nothing to drink with. So obviously he has to drink from her cup. Why would you do that? I know that some of you are germaphobes. You wouldn't let anybody drink from your cup. You know, or you wouldn't drink from anybody else's. Here the Lord Jesus Christ is asking this Samaritan woman, give me a drink. May I please have a drink? And that opens up this conversation that we see about the spring of water. And immediately uh, the woman says to her, you know, to him, why are you asking me that? And then the John gives us that little blurb at the end of verse 9. The Jews had no dealings with this. This is out of, you know, this is out of character for a Jew to do this. But Jesus answers in verse 10 and he says, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. You know, immediately Jesus begins to tell her of a water that he can give to her. And there are two things that this woman desperately needs to know. And all of us really need to know. First of all, she needed to know about the gift of God. 
We see that in verse 10. If you knew the gift of God. The second thing you need, she needed to know was the answer to the question we've been asking. If you knew who I am. So Jesus says to this woman, if you knew these two things about the gift of God, and if you knew who I am, you would have water that you would never thirst again. These are the two most important things. These are the things that John is bringing out in his gospel. We've been asking that question, who, who is Jesus? And that is really the vital issue. He is the Christ, John says. He is the Son of God. And then the second thing, well, if he is the Christ, if he's the Son, what does he have to give? And he came to give his life as a gift from God to us to pay the penalty of our sin. And here we see Jesus speaking of this gift, offering it to a Samaritan woman. You know, and from that, and we're going to see that more next week, but from that, we learn that God is no respecter of persons. Salvation is for who? Everyone. Everyone. We need to do well to remind that. I, I know that in our own minds, there are some people that we've already written off. There are groups of people, there are nations of people that we have already written off. You know, tonight we're going to have a, one of our missionaries from, from, uh, who's been serving in uh, Iraq. And to be able to see that God is working in countries even like that. that. That we would sit here in the United States of America and say, you know what, those people could never be saved. And that's kind of how the Jews were the, with the Samaritans. And here we see Jesus offering salvation to a Samaritan woman. God's gift is for the Samaritans, just as as much for the Jews. Well, as Jesus speaks about this gift, he speaks of it in verses 11 and 12. Of, of li- he spoke to, about it, living water, verse, verse 10. And, and as he speaks about this gift of living water, she can't understand. She's a lot like Nicodemus. Like, I don't understand that picture. How, how are you going to give me, you know, give me this water? And, and even how are you going to get it? You've, you've got nothing to draw with. And, uh, you know, she says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. How are you going to do that? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from himself? You know, you know the water that, that was in Jacob's well was good water. But Jesus says to her, It really can't satisfy your need. This water can only quench. Look at verse 13. Whoever drinks of this water will what? We're going to get thirsty again. You ever, you ever had that experience? You know, you're, you're, you're working, you're hot, you're thirsty, and you drink a cold glass of water. Boy, it really quenches the thirst. And you never have to drink again, right? That's the last time you had to drink water. No, we are constantly getting thirsty. And so the water in this well of Jacob is good water, but it can't satisfy our need. It will only temporary, temporarily quench man's physical thirst. And then we're going to need to return, and we're going to need to drink of this physical water again and again. Jesus says, whoever drinks of this water, you will thirst again. But then he contrasted with the 
with the living water that he offers in verse 14, whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water uh, springing up into everlasting life. Jesus says this living water will forever quench man's thirst. You know, the Old Testament uses this idea of living water to describe spiritual cleansing, to describe new life that comes at salvation through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. God made man for himself, and man can never find real satisfaction until he learns to draw from God. Because only God can truly satisfy our thirst. And Jesus said, when that occurs, when God satisfies my spiritual thirst, I'll never thirst again. I'll be satisfied. You know, the second thing about living water is that it is an eternal spring. It is eternal. I think we're one slide behind here. It's an eternal spring. Uh, This is not an external thing. Jesus says it comes from within. It is always there no matter where we are. You know, the picture of living water, as I said, is found in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, and chapter 7, verse 13. And there Jeremiah says, it is a fountain of living water. Jesus Christ, folks, is that fountain. The Holy Spirit is that fountain. And and this is exactly what Jesus is offering to this woman. So this living water will forever quench my thirst. Secondly, this living water is an eternal spring coming up from within. And the third thing about this water is that it is springing up. It is water, you know, that is springing up forever. When you think about a well, when you think about Jesus being at the well, he asked her for a drink. And remember what she said, you know, how are you going to get water? You don't even have anything to, to pull it up with. When you go to a well, you got to get the water up. You know, when you go out here to the drinking fountain, you just press the button and hopefully water comes out. But we, we, we have a well at our house. And if you don't pump it up, you don't get it to the house, you know, your, your well go is, is not going to give you water. And, and so here we are at an old-fashioned well. You have the bucket. You have to pull up the bucket. And, and the woman says, how are you going to get that water? And Jesus says, no, the water I'm going to give you is springing up. And it continues to spring up. It continually satisfies. It never runs dry. Look at the final thing about this water. This water provides for us everlasting life. Partaking of this gift from Christ not only satisfies your present thirst, it continually satisfies and continually satisfies and provides eternal satisfaction. This is the living water Christ offers to her and to us today. Spiritual life, eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, that brings us to the spiritual thirst. And in verses 15 through 25, the woman acknowledges her physical thirst, but she really doesn't understand this living water. Verse 15, she says, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. 
I mean, that'd be great. We never have to, to come to the well again. Man, I'd be constantly satisfied. My thirst would be quenched. And so as Jesus continues to talk with her, he brings her face to face with the real thirst in her life, the, the spiritual need in her life, the emptiness that is there in her life. And, and that's what he wants to do to all of us. He wants us to bring, bring all of us to that place where we realize our need. And so he, he makes an odd, I mean, to me, this is an odd transition, don't you think? The woman in here is, is basically saying, well, well, what do I do? And Jesus says to her, go call your husband. That's kind of out of the blue, isn't it? That's kind of, wow. All right, Lord, I know you're omniscient. Why are you, why are you doing that? I think he's doing that for a real reason. I think he wants to, her to, to understand there are things in her life that she thought were going to bring her satisfaction that don't. Her marriages have not been very satisfying. You think? Yeah. She says, uh, I, I don't have a husband. You remember what Jesus said? You're right, you've had five. How have they worked out for you? You've had five, and the guy you're living with now, he's not even your husband. And we could talk about the morality and all of that, but I think that what Jesus really wants to, to show here is that you've been trying to find the answer, you've been trying to find satisfaction through relationships, through other people. And folks, a lot of times that's where we're at. We think that if, if I only had this relationship, if I was only married, if I only had that relationship, if I was only in this relationship, I'd be satisfied. What Jesus wants us to understand, we don't find our satisfaction in other people. There was a thirst in her life for a meaningful relationship, but she hadn't been able to find what she was looking for. For one reason or another, and we don't know the reasons. But the biggest reason, folks, is our, the answer is not in other people. Your satisfaction in life, your spiritual satisfaction in life is not coming from somebody else. Well, that led into a conversation about her spiritual life. And Jesus wants her to see that her spiritual life hasn't given her any satisfaction as well. Her, her spiritual life left her with a lot of questions, and we're not going to delve deeply into them at all. But she begins to, begin, to say in verse 19, I, I think you're a prophet. You know, our fathers, answer me this question, you know. And, and it appeared that she's not only looking for a meaningful relationship here on earth, but she was looking for a genuine relationship with God. And Jesus wants her to understand it's not about religion. You're not going to find the answer in religion. Folks, many of us look for satisfaction in relationships. Many of us look for spiritual satisfaction in religion or religious works. And Jesus says, her, you know, the, the time is coming, uh, verse 23, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for that's what the Father is seeking. Jesus wants us to see it's not a matter of religion. It's not a matter of a sacred place. It's an internal matter. It's a matter of the inner spirit. It's the need for a personal relationship with God. That's what's missing in her life. Yeah, you've had five husbands. And the sixth guy, you haven't even gotten married yet. Have you got any satisfaction? No. Yeah, you've been worshiping God, quote, unquote, up here on this mountain. Has that given you satisfaction? No. 
Because the answer is in here. The answer is a personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it brings her to say in verse 25, she's actually very perceptive. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. She says, I I hope to know, I, I hope to have this kind of relationship when the Messiah comes. Pretty perceptive for a Samaritan woman, isn't it? The Messiah is coming. When he comes, he's going to answer these things. Wow, what a great lead in. What was the question at the beginning of the conversation? Who am I? And now Jesus tells her exactly who he is. Look at verse 26. I who speak to you am he. Could you imagine that? We've been looking for the Messiah. Now I'm out here at the well. I'm having a conversation with this stranger. He's talking about some odd things. And yet there's something about him that's, you know, kind of drawing me to him. And next thing you know, he lays this. I'm the Messiah. Wow. Wow. And, And then the disciples come back. It's like, guys, stay away. The disciples come back. But it's clear that this woman accepted what Jesus had to say. You say, how do I know that? I believe that she believed at that moment that he was the Christ, that he was the Messiah, that he could give her new life. I believe her thirst was quenched. Her need was fully satisfied, and physical water no longer means anything to her because look at verse 28. The woman left her water pot, which was why she came, and she went back into the city and said to the people there, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Her only desire now is to go back into town and tell the people about Jesus, about who he is, And about what he has to give. She doesn't know all the answers yet. But she believes. Look at her testimony. It's very clear. Could this be the Christ? You say, that's not real clear. Well, really, if you look at it and study it, it really means this. Is not this the Christ? Is not this the Christ? Her thirst is quenched in the fact that, that, that she has come face to face with the Messiah and she believes that. This is the Christ. And, and her thirst, the fact that her thirst is quenched is seen in verse 30. She went, they went, then they went out of the city and came to him. Verse 39, the people came to Jesus. She brought a great number of people back to him. You got to see this guy. You've got to meet him. You see, folks, Jesus is the living water that gives life everlasting, life that continually springs up from within, life that satisfies our spiritual thirst. And the invitation that Jesus gave to that woman is still open to us today. If you're thirsty, if there's a spiritual need in your life, Christ is the only one who can meet that need. You're not going to find it in another person. You're not going to find it in religion. 
You can hop around from religion to religion. religion. You're not going to find the answer. You're not going to find it in things. The only place you're going to find it is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says to us today, if you're thirsty, why not come and drink of this living water? Because in Christ, we will find our true satisfaction, the only satisfaction, the life that leads to eternal life. You know, as we close this morning from this passage, we discover three things that are essential to salvation. Three things that are essential for you to come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know these three, but maybe we'll put them in a, in a different light this morning. First of all, salvation comes only to those who recognize they have a need. Who recognize their desperate need for spiritual life. Only to those who realize, I don't have that living water. Living water will be received only by those who realize they're spiritually thirsty. Let me put it this way. It's only going to be realized by those who realize, I have a need. I'm a sinner. I have a need for a Savior. And secondly, salvation then only comes to those who are willing to confess and repent of their sin and desire forgiveness. This woman had to acknowledge her sin. She was a sinner before she could accept the Savior. Is this not a man, the, the one, he's told me everything I ever did. And some of those things weren't very good. And I accept that. Folks, we need to understand we have a need. We can't get to heaven on our own. We have to understand we have a need. We're bound for hell. We're all sinners. We have a spiritual need. Secondly, we have to confess and repent of our sin. We have to acknowledge that we're a sinner. Acknowledge that I need a Savior. And then third, salvation comes to those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, as their sin bearer. Because salvation is found in no one else. Have you done that this morning? And I hope you haven't gotten lost in all this talk about spiritual thirst and physical thirst and water and living water. The most important thing for us to see here this morning is that we all have a spiritual need. And there's only one way to satisfy that spiritual need through the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith and trust in him today? Have you acknowledged that you are a sinner? Have you put your your, your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the only one who can save you of your sins. He is that living water. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. For more information on our church, located in Cumberland, Maryland, please go to cumberlandcornerstone.org.